0: NPR.
1: This is the indicator from Planet Money. I'm Waylon Wong,
2: and I'm Adrian Mom. When Reshma Hussam was in high school, she knew that she wanted to study economics. So, in her college application essay, she talked about what inspired her to choose that major, and in particular, she talked about these books that she'd read.
0: So my college essay began with foundation and how I had discovered this thing called psychohistory.
1: Foundation, psychohistory. These are not references to classic economic texts like Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations or A Monetary History of the United States by Milton Friedman and Anna Schwartz. Foundation is a series of novels by the science fiction writer Isaac Asimov. And these books have been cited by economists from a former central bank governor to Nobel Prize winner Paul Krugman as having shaped their interests at a formative age.
2: In the Foundation series, Isaac Asimov created this fictional scientific discipline that basically uses math to save the world. It was such a powerful idea that when people like Reshma Hussam read Foundation as teenagers, it helped set them on a career path in economics.
1: Today on the show, we talk with Reshma and another economist for whom these novels were, well, foundational. They tell us what drew them to Asimov's ideas and where they had to leave the realm of science fiction behind to grapple with real-world problems.
3: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Certified Financial Planners. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, Certified Financial Planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. This spring, cleaning up your wireless bill is easy thanks to Mint Mobile. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you purchase a 3-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com indicator. upfront payment required for first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on a limited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
1: Isaac Asimov was an incredibly prolific writer. During his lifetime, he published hundreds, yes, hundreds of short stories, novels, and nonfiction books. And one of his most famous works of fiction is Foundation. Foundation. It started as a series of short stories. The first one came out in 1942, and the original Rhino Stories was later repackaged into three books.
2: Yeah, and as Asimov explained on the show Fresh Air nearly 40 years ago, the inspiration for Foundation was the fall of the Roman Empire. He wanted to write a story that was like that, but set in space way in the future.
0: I was essentially writing future history, and I had to make it sufficiently different from modern history to give it that science fictional touch. And so I assumed that the time would come when there would be a science in which, in which things could be predicted on a probabilistic or statistical basis.
1: In Foundation, Asimov called this fictional science psychohistory. And the story's protagonist, the creator of psychohistory, is a man named Harry Seldon. He is a brilliant mathematician whose models can predict human behavior on such a massive scale that he can telegraph the future of the galaxy.
2: Psychohistory is a great name for a fake science, by the way. (laughs) It is like physiolinguistics.
1: I like it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so on Apple TV Plus there's actually an adaptation of Foundation which is in its second season and in it the character of Harry Selden is played by a British actor named Jared Harris.
4: Are you familiar with my work, Psychohistory? Every mathematician has read your Do you agree with the concept? In theory, but I don't know what it has to do with Oh, it's not a theory. It's the destiny of the
2: human race expressed in numbers. I bet Harry Seldon is a lot of fun at
1: parties. (laughs) If he can get his big brain through the door.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the idea of building statistical models to predict behavior is common in economics and other disciplines, but usually on a much smaller scale. Asimov's psychohistory does not work on an individual basis. It only works on a massive level. So it's more powerful than anything real-life economists or technologists have at their disposal.
1: And this idea captivated Reshma Hussam. She's an economist at Harvard Business School, and she came across foundation on her older brother's bookshelf when she was in 10th grade. She was hooked, not necessarily by the plot or the character development, but the very concept of psychohistory.
0: I really wanted to be a psychohistorian. and I wanted to do what Harry Seldon had done. Um, and I realized that the best incarnation of that in uh, the real world was economics.
2: Now, around the same time that Reshma read Foundation, she took a summer economics workshop for high schoolers. This program used lab games to explain concepts like trust, reciprocity, and altruism. Reshma started to connect Asimov's fictional science with the very real science she was learning in this workshop.
0: There was this magical convergence time-wise. I was reading this book Where psychohistory was a thing, this combination of anthropology, psychology, sociology, history, statistics, all of these things that I enjoyed. And then here was this field called economics, which was not, you know, boring things like interest rates, (laughs) (laughs) but rather precisely what psychohistory was doing, which was this exploration of the things that, you know, drive us as humans.
1: In Foundation, Harry Seldon sees that the collapse of the Galactic Empire is going to usher in a dark age of barbarism. So he assembles a group of scholars on a remote planet, and it's all part of a plan to shorten the dark age from 30,000 years to a mere 1,000 years.
2: For Reshma, this was the exciting part, the idea that math and science could be used to change people's lives for the better. And this same motivation to improve society is also what drove Ben Ho to study economics.
1: Ben is a professor at Vassar College. He was an Asimov super fan when he was a kid, and Foundation was his favorite. He wrote about this series in his application essays for graduate school.
4: I talk about how, you know, psychohistory had this grand goal of not just predicting the future, which was part of it, but also improving the future. And that's really where I wanted to go, right? How can we use these tools to, like, address
2: poverty and global inequality? I had these really big (laughs) visions. Both Ben and Reshma were interested in development economics, which tackles issues like inequality and poverty. And Reshma did end up in this field. Some of her recent research involved working with Rohingya refugees in Bangladesh.
1: Ben's career took him into behavioral economics. Today, he studies trust and apologies. And he says sometimes people are surprised to hear that economics and mathematics can be used to explain how people trust each other. But for him, it made sense.
4: By the time I started this research, it was already sort of natural because because of psychohistory, right? Because Harry Seldon already laid the way to say we can predict people's behavior, we can predict politics, we can predict social movements through numbers and mathematics and equations. And I think there's something about that idea that's so magical.
1: Unlike real-life economic models, Asimov's psychohistory is powerful enough to predict the collapse of civilization. But it's not omnipotent. The antagonist of foundation is a mutant who can manipulate human emotions. Harry Seldon's mathematical model doesn't see this threat coming.
2: And in real life, economists' ability to predict and shape the future has fallen short many times. Sometimes it's in small ways. Like Ben once ran an experiment that tested different kinds of apologies on Uber customers who had their driver show up late. The research involved over a million people. We thought,
4: oh, my God, we have this wealth of data and we're going to be able to explain so much. And in the end, actually, we were actually struck by how limited our our, our ability to explain the data is. People are just random. They're influenced by all sorts of little things that we'll never observe. And I think that's fine. I think that's, you know, part of the
2: wonder of studying this stuff. Other times, economists fall short in big ways. Reshma Hussam at Harvard Business School points to the profession's failure to foresee the Great Recession that started in 2007.
0: It was a moment of reckoning for our claims of prophecy, <laughs> and that harkens, of course, back to the foundation where, like, fundamentally, the book's beauty is its arrogance that one man can predict the course of human history, not just for a few years, but for millennia. It's kind of a wild and therefore very cool, but totally wild conjecture.
1: Rushma and Ben both say they still enjoy science fiction, but they've moved on from Asimov. The genre has opened up to include more diverse perspectives and narratives. And who knows, maybe there's an emerging voice out there whose work could be the inspiration for a new generation of economists. (laughs) Also was produced by senior producer Viet Le with engineering from Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez and edited by Kate Kincannon. The Indicator is a production of NPR.
4: But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR.
2: I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A.